Here, let me share what, what I've prepared this morning. But before I do, I'm, I'm going to pray again. Um, I really, you know, my hope is always that, um, that the words that I've, that I've prepared, that the things I say, that they're, they're just vehicles for what God wants to communicate and what God wants to speak into, into our hearts, you know, your, your hearts, um, wherever you are, that, um, you know, that it's, that it's the Holy Spirit that, that speaks to you in this, in this moment. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you that you're king over all the earth. Thank you um, that you are the victor. Thank you that you are seated with God in heaven. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is um, moving on, on our earth and in our hearts. And uh, Lord Jesus, we welcome you uh, once again that you, would, uh, that you would speak to us, uh, that we would know that we are uh, sitting with, with you and that, uh, that you love us, Lord Jesus. So, amen. Amen. All right. So, uh, let's see. Where are we at? Oh, I keep on doing this. Can you get me a tissue? <laughs> I keep on having a... <laughs> Sorry. I'm so stoked that today's the last live stream. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, um, I was thinking about how... Thanks, Tessa. Um, like you, you're watching this and you're on, sort of on the other side of, of our camera and you can't see everything that's kind of going on in, in our living room. Um, yeah, like we, we make sure that our couch is tidy and the wall is tidy, but you can't see <laughs> everything that is around it. And I'm so stoked that next week... Uh, you know, we're going to be um, gathering, gathering in the flesh, you know, it's going to be great. We'll be able to see everything that's going on, right? Anyway, over the last few weeks, I've just been, um, I've been digging into some words that I think uh, carry a lot of significance and a lot of, a lot of meaning uh, for us in, in this season. The last two months, like they've been, they've been strange, like there's, there's no doubt. Um, this is probably why I've I've got the giggles today. It's just like the strange, the strangeness of, of it all is catching up on me. You know, um, uh, we we can get used to things like having a live stream service. Although to be honest, um, it's all of a sudden becoming quite weird to me. Um, but we can get used to that kind of thing. It's um, it's definitely not normal. Uh, whatever normal means. I mean, uh, normal is a is a kind of a loose word. When um you know when we we're under the level four lockdown, everything that we were used to, all of our routines and um and all this stuff, like you know even going to church, it was all like stripped away, and we had to had to figure out new ways of doing things, and it really feels like God is doing something uh, unique, um, profound, uh, world changing even in in this season, in this time, and I've. I've got four words that I, that I think are really key, really significant. And the first one is what we looked at two weeks ago, recenter. Uh, this is a time to recenter on, on Jesus, the Son of God, the King of Kings, to recenter and make sure that he's, he's at the heart of, of who we are as followers of Jesus. The second one is, is realign. So that's what I looked at last week. It was making sure that, that how we live, like the decisions that we make, uh, the things that we do, the things that we say, you know, the, the, even the things that we think, that, 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 that we're endeavouring to be aligned with the way of God. 
And the third one, this is the one I'm going to be digging in today, into today, and, and it's recreate. I love this. I love this word. So hopefully, for the last time from our couch in Kotokoro, let me share. Let me share what this reword is all about. You know, we've we've talked about it a few times already this morning, but today is Pentecost Sunday, which is the birthday of the church, two thousand years ago. And as far as birthdays go, this birthday was pretty darn spectacular. You might remember, it seems like ages ago now, near the beginning of lockdown, we celebrated Easter. It was actually only seven weeks, seven weeks and one day ago, or 50 days. And Pentecost actually means the 50th day, the 50th day. So Easter time, we remembered, uh, we celebrated Jesus' death and resurrection. We, we celebrated because it was his victory over death. And, and we celebrated because Jesus made the way for us to enter into relationship with the holy God of the universe, to be reconciled to the holy God of the universe. The Bible says that after his resurrection, Jesus spent 40 days uh, hanging out with his, his disciples, you know, these, these men and women that, that believed who he was and, and followed him, uh, the apostles and, and other people. He he hung, he hung out with them and he, and he showed them that he was, he was well and truly alive. He, he wasn't a ghost. Ghosts can't have, uh, can't have barbecued fish on the beach, right? He, and, uh, and remember that story of, of, of Thomas actually touching him. You know, if you know anything about ghosts, you can't touch ghosts, but you could touch Jesus. And he showed them all these, all these signs. He did, he did different things and he, and he taught them about the kingdom of God. And just before Jesus ascended to, um, to God, he, he ascended in a, in a cloud to heaven where he's now seated with God, the Father. Jesus told the disciples to stay in Jerusalem, in the city of Jerusalem. Don't leave. Wait for the promise of God. So if, uh, if you have your Bibles handy, then uh, open them to Acts, Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 1. Verse 4, it says, As they were having a meal together, he told them not to go away from Jerusalem, but to wait, as he put it, for the Father's promise, which I was telling you about earlier. John baptized you with water, you see, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So just before, you know, Nicholas uh, led worship and he said at the start of that that he'd been thinking about um, what the disciples were, were singing yeah, when he when he chose the songs um, for this morning, and likewise, what you know, I wonder what were the disciples imagining when Jesus said, "You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit." When John the baptized, when John the baptized, when John the Baptist baptized people, uh, they would step into the into the water of the Jordan River. And he would he would dunk them right under, right? He would submerge them in the water. So I wonder what the disciples were imagining or what they thought Jesus meant when he said, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The word baptism, it comes from a Greek word, uh, baptizo, that carries, carries these meanings of uh, being dipped repeatedly or being immersed to being submerged to be cleansed by dipping, or to be overwhelmed. And it, it's really similar to another Greek word, bapto, but they have a key, a key difference. And the difference involves pickles. 
I really like this story. And you're thinking, I know that you're thinking, oh, James, uh, this lockdown, it's messed with your head. You've actually finally lost, you finally lost the plot if you think that pickles have anything to do with being baptized. But hold on, just, just track with me for a minute and maybe I have lost my mind. Um, Tessa's kind of <laughs> yeah, nodding your head a wee bit. Maybe I have, but anyway, hold on, hold, hold on. And track with me a bit longer because we're talking about ancient Greek. In 200 years before Jesus, so we're talking 2,200 years ago, there was a there was a Greek poet and physician whose name was Nicander. Nicander wrote a recipe for pickles because apparently 2,200 years ago, that's what poets and doctors did. They wrote recipes for pickles. And in his recipe, he says, uh, to make a pickle, First, you take your veggie and you dip it in some boiling water and then you take it out and then you baptize the vegetable in the vinegar. So you might not have known that gherkins are actually baptized cucumbers. In Dr. Nick's recipe, the word he used for dipping the veggie in boiling water is bapto, right? You, you bapto the cucumber, you give it a quick rinse in the boiling water, and then you take it out, and then there's the critical part, you baptize the cucumber in vinegar, and you baptize it for ages. I don't know how long it takes to pickle a, a cucumber, but, but I imagine it takes ages. Because by the time you finally take it out, um, it's not really a cucumber anymore, it's, it's a gherkin. <laughs> and a gherkin is nothing like a cucumber. You know, gherkins taste all right, but cucumbers don't. Can I get an amen? Uh, Tessa, you know, <laughs> Tessa, Tessa likes cucumbers. Anyway, the point is, a gherkin is nothing like a cucumber. It's been permanently changed. And you'd never guess from the taste of a gherkin that it used to be a cucumber in a, in a, in a former life. And that's the difference between bapto and baptism. Bapto, bapto is temporary, whereas baptism is, is permanent. It's a permanent change. So in the, in the New Testament... When we're, when we're talking about, well, when they're talking about baptism, they're talking about permanent change. Permanent change. You know, when you come into union with, with Jesus, um, when, when you give your, give your life to Jesus, it, it fundamentally changes us. And it's not just an intellectual decision. It's a massive life change. Um, a new creation is how the Apostle Paul described it. So... When Jesus told the disciples that, that, that they were going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, they, I don't know what they would have been imagining, but, but at least they would have been thinking, big change, right? Um, there's going to be a major fundamental shift uh, coming. And, and they might have connected this with the kingdom of God. I mean, Jesus had been teaching them about the kingdom of God, and, and then maybe they connected it by thinking, oh, finally, you know, the nation of Israel is going to be taking its rightful place, you know, they might have imagined, and um, being restored. And so they asked Jesus about it. And this is in, uh, in Acts, Acts uh, I've written down 2, 6 to 8, but I think, it's, I think we're still in chapter 1. So it's in Acts somewhere. <laughs> Thank goodness this is the last week of the live stream. Anyway, Acts 1, somewhere. So when the apostles came together, they put this question to Jesus. Master, they said, is this the time when you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? It's not your business to know about times and dates, he replied. The Father has placed all that under his own direct authority. What will happen, though, is that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, 
and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. All right, that was from Acts chapter 1 somewhere. But in classic Jesus fashion, he, he takes their question about the kingdom of God and the nation of Israel, and instead he like focuses it directly on, on them. It's like, he's, it's like he's saying, you know, don't worry, don't worry about all, all that other stuff, um, all, this, all the big picture stuff that, that they might have been thinking about. God has, it, God has it in hand. But this, he's saying, this is what's going to happen to you. <clears throat> the permanent change that baptism with the Holy Spirit brings, he said, involves power and empowerment to be Jesus' witnesses in the city, in the nation, and the nations of the world. I often, uh, I, I, often it feels to me that when we talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's about, it's about feeling something nice. Uh, about feeling something good on the on the inside, and, and don't get me wrong, I think that the Holy Spirit is is an incredible gift, and He does bless us with uh, with peace and love and joy and all those all those kinds of things. Um, but here, Jesus is is talking. He isn't even talking about feelings. He he's talking about empowerment to be His witnesses. He's he's telling them. Uh, you know, that the Holy Spirit is going to enable them to tell others about the good news of Jesus and his advancing and unstoppable kingdom. Witnesses, witnesses see and tell. In a, in a trial, in a court trial, you'll have witnesses and they've seen something happen. Maybe they've seen a crime or something happen. They're witnesses and, and so they're, they're called to the court to tell the court what they've seen. This is what witnesses do. They see and they tell. Jesus says to his followers, you will be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, in the city, in the nation and other nations. And it's like he's saying, you've seen me and you've heard me, you heard me teaching and demonstrating the kingdom of God, healing people, setting people free from demons, stopping storms, raising people to life, even, even dying on the cross himself, and then being resurrected, you know, demonstrating his, his utter victory over death. And he's saying, you've seen me teaching all about the kingdom of God. Now you are going to show and you're going to tell others. And there, I think there's, a, there's an ongoing aspect to this. There's like a, a future present sense that they will be witnesses to Jesus' ongoing activity, seeing what he is, he is doing, seeing what he will do, and telling others, telling others about it. It's like seeing and telling, seeing and telling, right? And as Jesus is saying these words, it says in Acts, he ascends to heaven in a cloud to be seated at the right hand of, of God the Father. So then the disciples, they've got to wait. And they, and they wait 10 days until the day of Pentecost. And we, and we now find the disciples gathered in an upper room in Jerusalem, obediently waiting for the promise, 120 people gathered, praying, waiting, and I wonder if they were anxious. I wonder if they're if they're thinking, oh, what's it gonna What's it gonna look like when this promise of the Holy Spirit turns up? They they might have been thinking, oh, how long? Like ten days, ten days, ten days of waiting. That that might have felt like a really long time. Did they keep looking? At, at the sky, at, at the heavens, wondering if, if Jesus was going to return. I don't know. 
But I'm sure that what actually happened like blew their minds. That was so crazy. The birth of the church, and it happened like this. This is from Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost had finally arrived, they were all together in the same place. Suddenly there came from heaven a noise like the sound of a strong blowing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then tongues, seemingly made of fire, appeared to them, moving apart and coming to rest on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the words to say. Another, another translation that I looked at, it said, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. The Holy Spirit, the, the breath of God, blew on them. And it filled the entire house, this entire house that they were waiting. I know that I know that some of you are not in Wellington, but we Wellingtonians, we know wind. <laughs> and I think we're secretly proud of it. We know the sound and the feeling of rushing wind. Like on those days that you're in the city of Wellington and it's blowing so hard that you've kind of got to lean, you got to lean into it and you've got to hold on your hat. I've even had a beanie blow off my head and it was a tight, a tight beanie too, a tight fit and I had to hold on to it. You know the feeling of when the, like the wind like it completely surrounds you, rushing around you and the wind rushing between the, the trees and the buildings. Uh, rushing through, like we have wind tunnels in Wellington, like, um, yeah, I don't know, you know, that, 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 that the intersection of Featherston Street and, and Whitmore Street, that intersection, it's just like this crazy wind tunnel. That's often where there's the photos in the, in the, in the newspapers of like people getting blown away <laughs> and knocked over. But imagine that in your room right now. Imagine that you've been waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit, and then all of a sudden your room is filled with wind like that, completely surrounding you. And it's not just wind. You know, Andrea and the CV kids talked about this before. There's this giant flame that comes down, one big flame, and then it separates into 120 tongues of, tongues of fire landing on, on these people's heads. It's pretty wild stuff. They were being baptized with wind and with fire. The Holy Spirit was baptizing them, like permanently changing them. If there were cucumbers before, they are being made gherkins. <laughs> they are being pickled. They are being baptized and changed to be Jesus' witnesses. The first thing that they do, the very first thing they do that's different, is speak in different languages. That's the very first thing. They, they get, I don't know, they get hammered by this wind and this fire and then they rush out onto, onto the streets of Jerusalem communicating, speaking in these different languages telling everybody around the good news of Jesus like what, what Jesus did and who Jesus is telling them about the love of God, the power of God like just go and read Acts chapter 2 the whole of Acts chapter 2 it's seriously one of the most exciting chapters in the whole Bible I think it's the birth of the church. These ordinary people, ordinary people were changed, utterly transformed by the Holy Spirit and now, now speaking in different languages and, and other people from all these other nations could understand and, and they were amazed. They, they said, we can hear them telling us about the powerful things God has done in our own languages. 
And in one day, it says in Acts, in one day this church of 120 grew by 3,000 people as as these people were saved from death to life through these witnesses simply telling them who Jesus is and what he had done. 3,000 people. The church growing means it means salvation. It means that people are being rescued on a, on a trajectory leading to death uh, and separation from God to one of life and union with God. Ah, oh, man, it's amazing. We would not be here today. <laughs> we would not be here today doing this live stream, bothering with this live stream, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit rushing upon that group of people 2,000 years ago. And it, and it wasn't a one-off event. Like generation after generation of people have been changed and transformed by the Holy Spirit, empowered to be Jesus' witnesses. And so we're here not only because of Pentecost 2,000 years ago, because on every generation since, there have been people, obedient people, empowered by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses and to communicate, to see what Jesus has done, to see what Jesus is doing, and tell, tell others about him. Jesus was baptized. Uh, Jesus also was baptized. Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in, in the Jordan River. So one day Jesus walked into the river and he was submerged in the water. And when he came out, something really amazing happened. In, in Luke's account of the story, in the book of Luke, it says, Heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. There came a voice from heaven saying, You are my son, my dear son, I'm delighted with you. Now on, on Pentecost 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit sounded like a wind rushing over Wellington. It looked, the Holy Spirit looked like tongues of fire. But here, uh, after Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit appears as a dove resting on Jesus and there's the voice from heaven that's God God the Father right and he speaks directly to Jesus he speaks identity over Jesus he says you are my son my dear son I'm delighted with you and and straight after this Jesus it says he's filled with the spirit and he's led by the spirit and it's into a time of testing a time of difficulty a time of, of discomfort. For 40 days, he fasted in the, in the wilderness, in the desert, and he was tempted by the devil. But once this is over, then he embarks on, on his mission, and it really begins in a synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth. Jesus stands up to preach, and he opens up the scrolls, you know, the scrolls with uh, the Bible that the Jewish people had. And he unrolled them, and he, and he, and he, I can imagine him like running his finger right down the scrolls, slowly down to the passage that he's looking for as, as anticipation builds, as people's eyes, eyes are on him, until he finds this passage, and it's in, uh, it's in chapter, chapter 61 of, of Isaiah. And these, these immortal words that he, he reads. And he reads these words and the congregation, the people listening are so stunned at first. And then they're furious. And then, and then they actually try to kill him by throwing him off a cliff. 
And what does he what does he say that is so inflammatory? What does he say that makes him so angry? This is what he reads. He goes, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then it says, And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. This is the moment where if Jesus had a microphone, he would have gone, boom, mic drop. And everybody's in silence and they're they're looking at him like, what's he going to say next? Eyes fixed, eyes fixed on him. And then Jesus says, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Cue outrage culture. The, co- the congregation was mad, they were furious because Jesus is saying that this prophecy in Isaiah was about him. It was pointing to him. The Spirit of the Lord upon him. And the Jewish people, they connected this with the ancient promises about a Messiah, like this, this person who was going to come in and save the nation of Israel. And, and they connected it with the kingdom of God that they'd been waiting for. And instead they saw Jesus, this builder from down the road, ordinary builder from down the road. It couldn't possibly be Jesus, they thought. You know, this was the guy that they'd, they'd grown up with. You know, someone in the neighborhood, they, they, maybe they went to school with him. He was a workmate, a schoolmate, just an ordinary Jesus from down the road. It couldn't possibly be him. So he was lying, right? That's what they thought. He's lying. And so they were furious, absolutely furious, and tried to kill him. But if you've read the Gospels, then you, know, then you know that Jesus was actually telling the truth. And for the next few years, three years or so, he, he went out and he told people the good news. He told the poor the good news. And he set people free and he healed blind people. And he announced the arrival of the kingdom of God. The spirit of the Lord was upon him. But the people in that congregation, the people in the synagogue in Nazareth, they couldn't see it at all. The Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit had anointed Jesus to do the things that, he, that he's famous for. Which, this just reminds me of, of the disciples in that upper room. Like the Holy Spirit baptizing them, empowering them to be Jesus' witnesses. And so they rush out of the upper room and they're telling everybody, speaking in different languages about Jesus and about what he's done. Telling the people... And many believed, I said before, like 3,000 people believed it. But then there were some that didn't believe it. And they go, they go, they're just drunk. They've been drinking new wine. They're drunk. Because for them, all they saw was these, these ordinary people. They looked the same. They looked the same. The change that the Holy Spirit brings, it's not visible on the outside. But it, it's a fundamental change, a deep change. The disciples, when they, when they left that upper room, they looked the same. Jesus, when he spoke in that synagogue in, in Nazareth, the Spirit of the Lord was on him, but he looked the same. The word Holy Spirit in the New Testament, it, it comes from that Greek word, pneuma. I, I know that many people in CV have heard this before. You know, we get words like pneumatic and so on from it. Pneuma, and it means movement of air, like 
movement of air, wind, breath. The Holy Spirit is like the breath of God. The Holy Spirit is dynamic, creative. Amazing things happen when God breathes. You know, when God created all things, uh, it, it talks about this in the very first book of the Bible when, in Genesis. It says that God took some dirt from the ground and formed it into a human, but it was still dirt. It wasn't until God breathed into the nostrils that man became a living creature. I'm going to read from Genesis 2. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man from dust on the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. I've been thinking about this, and um, wouldn't it be wonderful if you could get time-traveled back to the creation of the world and you could actually see what was going on? When I imagine this story, I imagine that God made this, made this super-realistic model of a person out of dirt, like a, like a hyper-realistic mannequin. It, it looked like a person, but it was dirt. And it, and it didn't become a living creature until God breathed into it. When God, you know, when God breathes, creation happens. He breathed onto a lump of dirt and he created humans. He created Adam. The breath of God, the Holy Spirit breathed, uh, breathed on Jesus. The Holy Spirit descended on Jesus, God's beloved son, and anointed him and empowered him for the mission that was ultimately about bringing uh, people into a relationship with God, about reconciling a relationship with God that, that God had intended when he created Adam. The breath of God, the Holy Spirit at Pentecost rushed upon 120 people, baptizing them, permanently changing them to be Jesus' witnesses. The Holy Spirit birthed the church. That was the creation of the church, this new community of new creations who looked the same on the outside, but were empowered to see and tell what Jesus is doing and who Jesus is. I'm almost at the end. I'm almost at the end. The Apostle Paul, he, he wrote about it like this. He said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Pentecost Sunday, it's a day of transformation. <laughs> Ordinary people transformed by the Holy Spirit to be Jesus' witnesses, to communicate to those around us uh, the good news of Jesus, to see what Jesus is doing and to tell people about it, to see and tell. And it's just so awesome. It's so cool. Like I called, like the theme for this morning was recreate because in, in Christ we... We are made a new creation. We're not lumps of dirt <laughs> anymore. We, we're a new creation because instead of, uh, instead of um, living lives that are, that are death 
really, in separation from God. When we come to Christ, we, we, we come into reconciliation with him. Uh, and we come into life and, and perfect union with God, perfect relationship with God. And we are changed. We are reconciled. And this is, I think this is the, the big message of Pentecost Sunday, is that it doesn't end with us. Jesus has entrusted to us his message. He's entrusted to us his, his new creations, his message. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to tell it. It's a, it's a profound day. It's a, it's a day of, of new life. A day of reconciliation is a day of recreation. And I know that there's, there's people that are, that are watching and listening and that you're in all kinds of different situations. All sorts of different things are going on. Pentecost Sunday is a day that, that, that God took ordinary people in difficult situations and entrusted them with his message to change the world forever. And, uh, you know, the Lord wants to do the same with us. That's, that's what I'm feeling. And um, so if you want to, let's just take a moment. Uh, let's close our eyes. I'm going to pray. And, uh, and op- why don't you open yourself up, up to the Holy Spirit um, to be transformed, <laughs> to be pickled. And I think a big part of it is sort of like the willingness to uh, see what God is doing and to be able to tell others others about it. Eh? I think that's one of the big things. So, Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for today. Thank you for Pentecost Sunday, the day that that Holy Spirit you you came. And you, uh, and you breathed on the, on the church. You poured yourself on the church and you came into a, into a kind of a union with the church. You birthed the church. And, and this morning, Lord, I, I pray that you would uh, you'd breathe on us too. That you would bring that, um, you'd bring that fundamental change, that, that shift in our, in our own lives that we would uh, see what Jesus is doing, that we, we would understand what Jesus has done too, and we would be, we would be empowered to tell others, we would be able to uh, communicate this good news to other people so that other people can come in, into life and other people can also become uh, new creations in you. So come Holy Spirit. Breathe on your church, not just Capital Vineyard Church, but the wider church today. All these, all these gatherings, I know that there's people gathering in person and there's people gathering online, but all across the world, let, let Pentecost 2020 be um, a day that you breathe on the church. And let the earth be shaken with your love. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you for your amazing goodness.